Hey guys, welcome back to Project Geekology, the show where we take a deep dive and study each and every topic we discuss. And this week's episode, we are going into Black Panther, both the character, the movie, and the man who portrayed him, Chadwick Boseman. Uh, we know, unfortunately, the his untimely death a couple weeks back at this point is still gripping the world. Uh, we we know that. It's a tough time for fans of the genre, fans of the, the man, and fans of the actor. And we wanted to take a little bit of time before getting into his legacy as the character of Black Panther. Uh, so we waited a few weeks, and now we we just got back from uh, watching, or re-watching rather, Black Panther. And uh, we have some, uh, hopefully, new and fresh thoughts on the topic, on the series, and on the character himself, as well as the portrayal that Chadwick gave us, uh, because it's one of the best portrayals we've had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So before we begin, I'll introduce our hosts. My name is Dakota. And I'm Anthony. And Anthony, what have you been up to this past week? Oh man, well, I, I told you a little bit about it, but I took a nice dive into my youth and I've been playing Tony Hawk's 1 and 2, the remaster. Oh, nice. And man, let me tell you, I feel like a kid again playing it. I mean, the graphics, they look, I mean, they're updated. They look great. The mechanics are still there. Yeah. They've definitely refined some things, but it's really fun. I don't know, like, it just feels like being a kid again. It looked like they updated the soundtrack a little bit, but there's still a lot of those, like, older songs that you would, I mean, that matched up so well with the Tony Hawk games. Do they, do they have the song that's like, Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk? I haven't heard that yet. You know what I'm talking and about, And I don't right? know if, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So, I don't know if that was in 3. Oh, that might be in 3, yeah. There's another song I was looking for was uh, The Boy Who Destroyed the World by AFI. And that was in 3. And so were all the unlockable characters like Wolverine and Darth Maul and stuff. Those were in 3. So, I was like, oh, okay. So, I loved the first two, definitely. But I definitely would love to see a remaster of the third, too. Well, that's cool. I, I actually definitely want to get into that. And uh, you also watched uh, a couple of the Marvel movies in the lead up to this episode, right? Yes, yes. I definitely wanted to watch Black Panther for sure. I mean, it would be crazy for me to not do this episode with you and, and watch Black Panther. Pretty much right before we started recording, I finished Civil War. I think that those were some of the better movies to watch for Black Panther because obviously with Black Panther, he was the star of that movie and with Civil War, there was more heroes in it, but he was definitely one of the headline heroes of, of that because, as we know, he was chasing down Winter Soldier, thinking that he had killed his father. Right, yeah. Um, I, too, rewatched Civil War and then Black Panther this morning. Man, both of those films are, are still very good. Uh, Black Panther holds up uh, even better than I remember, actually. Um, I think I've seen Civil War so many times at this point that it's a little bit of a drag for me, uh, just because I know what's coming next, I know what's coming next, but rewatching it with the explicit intent of watching out for uh, Chadwick Boseman's portrayal and T'Challa's character arc was an interesting one. 
because I, I think I picked up on a few different things. Like every time they brought him on screen, it was like the filmmakers had such care with like making sure you realize this is a very important person uh, or this is a very right. important character, not only to this movie, but to the ones coming next. And uh, we know that Black Panther also shows up in Infinity War uh, and to a lesser degree in Endgame. And uh, to varying degrees, uh, he was he was handled uh, with with care. I, I really appreciate that in Endgame, he's the first one to come out of the portals. Yes, yes, uh, that's he, a cool, he was cool scene. Uh, just because of the importance of the character and the, the importance to so many people uh, who you know see him as their superhero. I'm I'm really I'm really happy uh, with what we have of uh, Chadwick Boseman's portrayal as Black Panther. As far as what, what else I've been doing this past week, yesterday was kind of a busy day for me, Avatar-wise. I finally finished uh, The Legend of Korra. <laughs> that was a, a whirlwind ride. I don't think you finished it yet, so I'm not going to spoil that, obviously, and we, we might talk about it in, another, in a later uh, podcast. But the ending, I'm torn about. I'm torn about uh, the direction that some things took, um, and I think some things came out of nowhere. Uh. But obviously, I had a great time. I think the finale played to every every character's strengths, and uh, it was just a fun couple episodes, the final battle. I also finished reading the first graphic novel of the Avatar series that follows after Ooh. The Last Airbender, and it takes place about a year later. Super well done, actually. Like It, it seems like a very logical uh, next step for the Avatar universe. It's like how to stop the other nations from going to war against the fire nation it's it's interesting and it's all about like harmony right that's that's kind of the ultimate standard of uh, avatar so i'm a little avatar out at the moment <laughs> i uh <laughs> put out a bunch of videos recently and we did the podcast last week and then i finished cora and all that so i'm a little avatar out i'm happy we're taking a break and i'm getting to go back to what i love most and that's probably the mcu so i'm excited about this episode it was great going back to those movies and i hadn't seen black panther in a while i had seen it a few times and so this was it was cool to go back to it because i mean it really is an enjoyable movie it's a great movie to watch sometimes you kind of forget some of these movies and how great they were i remember there was one time that i decided to go back and watch winter soldier because i hadn't seen it in such a long time and i enjoyed winter soldier because it was essentially a spy movie yeah so it was really cool yeah each of these films has a different feel to them um, and, I, and that's by intent, you know, they want you to keep coming back. They want you to keep getting different types of movies, like the Ant-Man movies are more heist movies. Um, with Civil War, we have a literal civil war between heroes. Right. With Black Panther, it's more about ideology and whether or not uh, the people of the world are owed the wealth and the prosperity that Wakanda owns, you know? It's an interesting idea, um, and you know, talk. We'll, we'll get more into the the villain Killmonger's actions and intent later on in this podcast. But maybe we should talk a little bit about Chadwick Boseman before jumping into it. Oh yeah. So definitely in preparation of this episode, I wanted to look back in some of the roles that that he portrayed and some of the i mean he's been in so much but definitely some of the ones that a lot of people will remember are him portraying jackie robinson in 42 and also portraying james brown and get on up it really shows the depth that he has 
I mean, because when we come to Black Panther, that character is completely different than those other two. Those are those other two roles are based on actual icons, actual legends. And so he comes into this and I mean, he just knocks it out the park. I mean, I, I think that everything that he's been in really was preparing him for such an immense role as this. And I mean, I think that Marvel had done it again. I think that it's hard to see them having gone with anybody else be after seeing the betrayal that he had. It was it was so powerful. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you talk about some of the iconic roles that he's played or he's portrayed. I want to echo that because, yeah, he was playing those icons, but he created or he didn't create necessarily, but he embodied a whole new icon for a whole new generation. Obviously, this is coincidental, but we know that the character of Black Panther was uh, first drawn by Jack Kirby and Chadwick Mosman died uh, August 28th, which was Jack Kirby's birthday. What's also coincidental is that he played Jackie Robinson, who uh, normally in baseball, uh, Jackie Robinson Day is April 15th, and that's the day that all teams wear the number 42 on the back of their jerseys in remembrance of Jackie Robinson. Because of the coronavirus pandemic that we're currently in, they pushed Jackie Robinson Day to August 28th, which coincidentally is also the day that uh, he passed. So it's just a, a crazy coincidence and it just kind of makes you think about all the the roles that he embodied. Obviously we don't know Chadwick as a person but every time uh, we would look at like videos or interviews of him it's clear in retrospect that he was battling a, a silent battle. Um, that He was hinting at the fact that he's also got something going on in his personal life. I appreciate that he never expanded on it because I think that would have overshadowed the roles and the characters that he portrayed. Uh, I think that was a, well, it definitely was a conscious effort on his part because he was battling cancer for four years. Yeah. Four years without even his co-stars or the directors of the films knowing about it. Even the weeks leading up to his eventual death, he was sending people that he had worked with in the industry, co-stars, friends, uh, encouraging messages, you know, just to like step outside and breathe the fresh air and stuff like that. So he was definitely a powerful person. He, he, was, he was able to look past his own uh, shortcomings or not, not necessarily shortcomings, but he was able to look past his own uh, weaknesses to help others. I think that's kind of part of the story of Black Panther. It's terrible that we, we won't be getting any more from him. Yeah, I mean, you see him in these interviews and he definitely has that silent battle going on. But also something that I noticed in those interviews is just, he seemed like such a delightful person to be around. Definitely. His interaction with those around him and even just the public, he was definitely the model of how a person should be. He's definitely somebody to look to I mean, he's he was going through cancer man i don't know about you but that's definitely for me that that's definitely most people would like give the, give that person a pass like you know this person's going through a lot so yeah if they're not acting in a certain way you know that this person is you know they're, they're going through a tough battle but he was going through this tough battle and he was still just putting his best foot forward in just everything yeah he, he accomplished so much Honestly, so much more than most people uh, will get remembered for in the, the four years that he was battling cancer than not. So anyway, um, we don't want to belabor this topic right. too much, but uh, it, it is sad. It's sad that he won't be able to, to live any longer. 
in this in this world. Right. Let's continue. Let's talk about the character of Black Panther. Try to lift things back up a little bit. Getting all weepy eyed. <laughs> the character of Black Panther was first introduced in the comics by writer Stanley and artist Jack Kirby on July 1966 in Fantastic Four number 52. That was, it's notable because, you know, most people believe that he was named after the Black Panther Party that rose up in the same year. Uh, but actually, he was named uh, in the comics a good uh, four or five months before the Black Panther Party even began. So, total coincidence in that respect. The character was the first uh, American superhero to be portrayed by a black character. That's before Falcon, who I think was in 1969. Uh, that was before Blade in uh, 1973, I believe, and so on and so forth. This character not only was the first movie based on an African superhero, but he was actually the first American uh, superhero created that was uh, of African origin. So we fast forward up to the MCU and we get our first taste of black panther in civil war it's not just you know, a cameo appearance he's not just somebody that's in the background he's definitely he's one of those characters that is out there he's one of the the most important characters to the story of civil war because while everybody's chasing down winter soldier i mean he has one of the main reasons to want to go after him because in his mind he's thinking that Winter Soldier was the one that killed his father. Yeah. And so, yeah, this whole time he's chasing him down. He's thinking, I mean, obviously we, we don't find out until later on in the movie that it was Baron Zemo that killed his father. But still, he was there in the front lines of the movie, pretty much. One thing that I, that I took from this viewing that I didn't take from previous viewings is he has a short interaction with his father before his father goes up to, to talk before the UN. The father says something along the lines of like, look at you, uh, all, like basically growing up because you're the person who doesn't like diplomacy. So that kind of shows us a little bit about like who he was before the movie. He, he already had the Black Panther uh, mantle. Right. But for whatever reason, his father thought of him as someone who didn't like diplomacy. So maybe he was a different type of uh, Black Panther than we might have gotten from the film. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because in the film, he does try to talk things out several times. By the time of uh, the beginning of Civil War, he's still this, uh, this person who wants to fight first and talk later. Yeah. Or doesn't talk at all, you know, if, if he can, you know, take down Bucky. And that, 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 uh, that is ultimately his goal in this film is just to, like, capture this guy and take him down uh, in vengeance for his father. And we see a little bit of an arc there uh, in just a Civil War film because he hasn't entirely taken up the mantle of King yet. Right. Because we know in the next film, Black Panther, he will have to, you know, fight for kingship, basically. He goes through this arc of vengeance where he believes wholeheartedly that Bucky or Winter Soldier is responsible for the death of his father. And then slowly throughout the film, he becomes a little less aggressive, even though he actually, he stays aggressive for a long time because he even aids in like Iron Man's like hunt of Captain America and Bucky. At the end, when he finally finds the truth and he's willing to sit in the background to listen to what the enemy has to say, what Baron Zemo has to say and how he's manipulated the entire thing, he realizes uh, his own folly. Vengeance has consumed you. It's consuming them. 
Don't let it get consume me. And he sees that he could quickly go down a path very similar to what Iron Man is currently going down, where he thinks that, but well, he knows that Bucky killed his mother, and he wants to again kill Bucky. Everyone wants to kill Bucky in this film. <laughs> yeah. Baron Zemo. Seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> Black Panther, Iron Man, uh, Winter Soldier is just not in a good place right now. But yeah, he realizes that what's leading Baron Zemo's actions is vengeance. Uh, he wants to uh, enact punishment on his own terms, and he doesn't want to let that continue guiding him. But it was a powerful right. line, and it, it ties in his little character arc so well, because as I said, he, you have someone who just lost a father. That's a terrible, terrible thing to have to go through. And having to come to grips with not only your own rage, but uh, with the people who uh, made it happen. Again, he, he ends up using diplomacy at the end of the film. Right. Um, he doesn't let Zemo kill himself. Living are not done with you yet. So he's going to let the world governments or whoever Zemo has to uh, speak to uh, deal with punishing him instead of putting, taking it into his own hands. It speaks volumes to his character because, I mean, this whole entire movie, I mean, he was going for it against Bucky. Every interaction was just, he, he was putting his all into those fights. And then by the end, yeah, he comes face to face. It's just him and Zemo. Yeah, I mean, he enacts, you know, it's kindness in a way. It is, yeah. Where he's like, he's the one that killed his father. He was done pretty much chasing down. Yeah, like you said, he, he didn't want vengeance to be the way that he walked his life. In that mo moment, it was a precursor to him stepping into the role of king of Wakanda. Mm -hmm. Because there was that moment of diplomacy. Yeah, definitely. My favorite part in that film is... Well, I have a few favorite parts with Black Panther in it. I, I love the line when they're like all in the police car and Falcon asks... So you like cats? Sam, what? Duke shows up dressed like a cat. You don't want to know more? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, then, and then the next part was when they're all fighting at the airport and Clint goes... We haven't met yet. I'm Clint. I don't care. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that was funny. The thing I liked about a lot of those moments was that it was a comic book coming onto onto screen, but there was just so many moments that would only happen in comic books. Like conversations in mid-fight. Yes. That would only yeah. happen in a comic book. Only. You know, like like a Black Panther and a, and a Hawkeye, like if it were real life, if if one of them stopped to talk, the other guy was not going to stop it to say, oh, I don't care. He's just going to keep on going. Mm -hmm. There's not going to be a pause. There's just going to be. So, yeah, no, th I thought that was pretty. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because now it's like fresh in my mind. I did chuckle at those moments. Yeah. Let's jump into the main role. Actually, let's before we talk about Black Panther, let's briefly talk a little bit about uh, Infinity War and Endgame because not much okay. of uh, he doesn't have much of an arc in either of those two films. Uh, Wakanda is kind of used as a setting, and he's just there to like let them in uh, in Infinity War. But he does have a, a, a huge impact on the fight. We, we mentioned earlier in this that he was the first to come out of the portals in Endgame, which was such a cool scene uh, for a number of reasons. What do you think about how Black Panther was handled in those two films? With Infinity War and Endgame, it's actually pretty crazy because Black Panther was also filmed at the same time. 
when you think about that, it's pretty insane because both of those are some pretty big projects, especially Infinity War and Endgame. It's that that was where all the stories pretty much collided. I think that since they did that together, it was easier for them to come up with a decision to have Wakanda as one of the settings because when you watch Black Panther, I mean the setting is a it's beautiful. Yeah. The waterfall fights and all that stuff. So I think that it was really cool. I think that Black Panther probably could have had more of a role in Infinity War. I understand why in Endgame a little bit because I mean he got snapped away. It was cool the interaction. There could have been a bit more. They, there could have been a, a, a bit more of an involvement earlier on in the movie. But I do like that Wakanda was one of the settings because it is definitely one of those places that you, you look at it and it's like, okay, this is very comic book. Yeah. The city's really cool. Yeah, I, I also agree with that. When it comes to the end of Civil War and you first get your first glimpse at Wakanda, it's not a finished product. You can tell, like, going into the next film, they hadn't fully developed what Wakanda was going to look like at the end of Civil War. So while it does look advanced, it doesn't look so advanced or like they don't have like the uh, the beads that they use or like the, the sands vibranium thing that uh, is, is yeah, so like, that was well cool. used in uh, Black Panther or the nanites. Yeah, that's what they're called. Nanites. Uh, sand. <laughs> um, <laughs> the sandy nanites. The sandy nanites. Um, so yeah, obviously in Civil War it wasn't fully de- fleshed out and developed. But when you get to Black Panther, the culture is, uh, for the most part, like kind of a hodgepodge of different African tribes. We know that within the film, within Wakanda itself, it's made up of five different tribes. But they took styles and stuff from a bunch of different uh, cultures from the African continent. And... I think it worked really well because it kind of take it, it takes uh, some people criticize that it's picking and choosing some of the good stuff for uh, an African civilization. I think it turned out really cool. I mean, it was visually stunning the entire thing. Yes. You understood where it was positioned that it was like smack dab in the middle of Africa. Because of that, it kind of gives representation to a number of different people. So I I love the setting of Black Panther. Wakanda is just so cool. Uh, I wish it was a real place. Yeah. I would love to visit. <laughs> it really is cool. It looks it looks like such a fun city or yeah country. But anyway, who were your favorite characters in Black Panther aside from Black Panther himself? I loved uh, Mbaku. Mbaku, he's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Are you done? Are you are you are you done? Yeah. He's hilarious. He he's he's definitely a straight up beast, and I love that they had him in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah, he was awesome. I think that was a great inclusion. Yeah, his sister, Shuri, she was really funny, but she was really also pretty cool because she was like the smartest person there and she developed all that tech. Yeah, well, we know that she developed a number of tech, especially like the the, the newer stuff with like the beads and right. the suits and stuff. We know that Wakanda has been a powerhouse of technolo- technological advancement for centuries at this point. Um, so we know that they were above and uh, ahead of their uh, counterparts around the world. Everybody. But Shuri was really like leading the development and information in Wakanda at the time. Yeah. They mentioned it several times. Um, like I think Umbaku kind of gives uh, T'Challa a jab 
at the fact that their uh, technology is led by a child or something like that. We have watched with disgust as your technological advancements have been overseen by a child. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was definitely cool. And I mean, the technology that you do see in it, those nanites, you know, nanite sands. Yes. <laughs> that was really cool. I liked how they had those devices that they would put on different vehicles and then nanite version of that vehicle would pop up and so they would get in and they can drive I, I thought that was one of the coolest things what's crazy about that is it's a technology we don't understand and we can't physically understand it until and if it ever happens in real life but they were able to explain it to you in a way that's simple enough for the film's sake but cool enough for us to like look and wonder and awe and magic. Wow. They handled it so well that by the end of the film, you're like, just get in your nanite ship and like uh, blow stuff up, Martin Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we definitely have to talk about the cast. Uh, the cast is fantastic. Movie. Oh, yeah. The cast is amazing. I really love um, Denai Gurira's character, Okoye. Yes. The leading Dora Milaje woman who was said to be the greatest warrior in Wakanda. Uh, she's just so cool. She's just like, she has a presence the entire film. And each of her interactions is both like heartwarming because she cares for her country, her people, and uh, T'Challa, but also hilarious because she was kind of the counterpart of his uh, naivety. Yeah. He froze. Ah. So yeah, I, I really love her character. Lupita Nyong'o's Nakia is another character that I think was uh, really well cast. Um, I, I think Lupita uh, is such a fantastic actress and I, I, I love seeing her in this role particularly just because she's such a great counterpoint to T'Challa. They, they both want to do best for the world, but they have other ideas as to like what that means. And hers is more about like outreach and uh, helping out other people. Uh, and being a spy for uh, Wakanda, and he's obviously the king. Or he was a prince, right. but he's a king now. Well, her role was pivotal for him to change his mind and to want to outreach, to like reach out to the world, to provide the technology that they do have and to help those out in the world. So her role was definitely important in that movie. We talked a little bit about vengeance in Civil War and how... T'Challa realizes that he doesn't want vengeance to rule him. Right. But that's something that definitely took over Eric Stevens or Eric Killmonger. Yes. Uh, T'Challa's cousin, the son of Prince Unjobu. And he's such a fascinating character because he's very clearly in the wrong. But he has a point. Like, they could be helping other people. Um, in the beginning, we have that, like, montage of, again, the sand nanites. <laughs> they have that like montage of like how the world developed after uh, this vibranium uh, asteroid hit Africa millions of years ago. And they have like wars going on outside of Wakanda. They have people being enslaved uh, in, in ships and you see that they could have helped and they were probably wrong in doing and not doing so. But at the same time, that's kept their country a peaceful one that's kept their country out of warfare, that's kept their country uh, from being impoverished. But that kind of begs the question, well, could they have done anything and still been able to keep their country a, uh, a positive one? Right. One not threatened by war or, um, you know, the pursuit of wealth from other countries and stuff. Obviously, you, you don't 
really want to agree with Eric Killmonger because he's the villain of the film. But he had some good points in the sense that, like, he, yeah, you you guys probably could have helped other people. Yeah, no, you're right. I do believe that he was one of those people that helped drive that idea home that, that Wakanda couldn't stand idly by while there were so many of those out there that needed help. He had Nakia in one corner that was pushing him. Killmonger was pretty much a product because they didn't, you know, reach out. T'Challa called it a monster of their making. Yeah, that I mean, his his character was really important for Wakanda to open their gates. Michael B. Jordan in that role, he's scary. Uh, he owned that role. He's scary. In that he movie. owned that role. Yeah. And so um, I don't know if you if you heard, but you know that armor that he wore. I heard that he was a big fan of Dragon Ball Z. But he had that armor fashioned after Vegeta's Saiyan armor. I have to look at it again, but I can kind of picture it. If if that's true, that's hilarious and that's awesome. Um, Michael B. Jordan yeah. is is a great actor. We know Ryan Coogler, the director of this, previously worked with him for uh, the first Creed movie and the second Creed movie. Obviously, uh, he plays Apollo Creed's son. What's also uh, interesting is that Ryan Coogler decided to bring on the composer from the Creed movies, uh, Ludwig Göransson. Dude, the the soundtrack to this is just so oh, good. Like it's so good. I just I, I love the mashup. Yeah, it's it's like classical, genres. but also tribal, but also hip hop. And hip-hop, yes, so good. There's some scenes I'm just like, ooh, okay, all right, all right, and yeah, you, you know, can get you really into, get into like, the it. vibe of the soundtrack. Garanson won the Academy Award for Best Soundtrack that year, and um, he definitely deserved it. He deserved it, yes. Yeah. For for those who don't know, he's also um, doing the Mandalorian soundtrack. So oh, that's a really good one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that soundtrack. Yeah. With Killmonger, you have a villain that, and I think that's that's the best way to do villains in anything. Really, you need to give them some reason to be doing what they're doing and it has to be a valid reason and it has to make sense to the audience because if it's just like i want to enslave the world it's not going to work right because you're not going to empathize with them he just seems crazy obviously this person needs to be put down when it comes to killmonger he has an interesting point but he goes about it in like the most radical way possible he tries to overthrow wakanda he tries to steal their weaponry and he tries to give it into the hands of black people all over the world i think that's what his plan was um to basically incite war and overthrow the governments of each of those individual uh nations and that's crazy i mean that you're putting weapons in other people's hands is just insane especially when your your plan is to incite war so it's almost like it's a message about the dangers of letting your ideologies become who you are and letting them be radicalized to a point where uh, your original message is just muddied by craziness. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a really interesting villain. Um, You don't have a lot of those in the MCU uh, that are so easily understandable and not, I don't want to say relatable because obviously I I hope most of us can't relate to the fact that he killed hundreds of people. Oh, yeah. It's an interesting thing that you say that because... I mean, a lot of people thought the same thing about Thanos. Thanos, when you think about what he was trying to do, it was a noble idea to like help make a better universe. But the way he was going about it was crazy. He wiped out half of the universe to be able to do this. So yeah, no, you're right. I think that the days of 
you know, just an insane villain that wants to take over the world for the sake of taking it over, I think those days are gone. I think you have to make your villains a little bit relatable as well as the heroes. Right. It's so crazy to go into a movie and feel like conflicted because you're like, you know, I know that this person is going about the this stuff the wrong way, but this person is making points that make sense. Yeah. Like Killmonger, I and mean, he's right. Wakanda stood idly by, should have helped in so many instances, but yeah, you know, the way he was going about it, wanted to incite war all over the world. It was definitely just not the right thing to go about. He was going to start World War Three. Yeah. Because his really? uh, dad was killed, basically. I really love that, you know, while he's obviously the villain, he's not 100% wrong. Right. He's like 95% wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, what's cool about uh, the Black Panther film, uh, we can go into it in spades. I, I think that was probably the more, more interesting part of it, the fact that the villain is a uh, somewhat relatable one. But it's almost like we had this story in Civil War with the good guy, and now we're having it with the bad guy, this, this plot of vengeance. And now seeing T'Challa, who's had to go through so much in just a week. For those of you who aren't like super familiar with the timeline of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the events in Black Panther happen exactly one week after King T'Chaka, T'Challa's father, is killed in Civil War. The beloved ruler was one of many confirmed dead after a terrorist attack at the United Nations a week ago. Oh my gosh, dude. So he's, he grows up and you could see the character arc so much over the, the course of the one week because he's a totally different person in the beginning of Civil War. By necessity, because he goes through so much mentally. Till when he's uh, at the end of his... Uh, at the end of the film in Black Panther. I really appreciate that. And, you know, it's something I didn't notice upon my, my previous viewings. But now that I'm looking at the overall character arc of the character, I'm really appreciating it. What you were saying earlier about the fact that uh, Infinity War and Endgame were filmed at the same time as Black Panther is also pretty um, notable because, first of all, you have all the actors already filming something for Black Panther. And also you, you're you building the world of Wakanda at the same time that the movie Black Panther is building it. So you kind of have some level of cohesion and it feels like it's just another chapter to this story. Yeah. Um, even though Infinity War takes place, I think two years later or something like that. Oh yeah, so for those who are listening that don't know, Dakota is the official, unofficial MCU timeline expert and that he's not getting paid by Kevin Feige but he should because he spent so much time figuring out this timeline <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that but yeah man I wish Kevin Feige would uh, you know just check out my YouTube videos I've I've broken down the MCU timeline for a couple years now uh, probably like five or six years now at this point dude I think you've broken down that timeline in a way that there's probably a lot of people on the payroll of Marvel probably don't know. Yeah, I had a I had a 20 part <laughs> video series as to like when each individual film took place and a lot of them were retconned, a lot of them were shifted about because of other films. So the Black Panther technically takes place uh mid April. Uh mid April 2016, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. So we've talked a little bit about the cast, but we haven't, you know, included uh, also. I mean, you mentioned Martin Freeman, a.k.a. Bilbo Baggins. A.k.a. Watson. Yeah, Watson. Yeah, you're right. I think he also has like music albums out there, too. I think he is like a musical artist also, a singer. I have to check that out. (laughs) And uh, come on, man. 
Andy Serkis. Oh, Andy Serkis. Oh, I forgot about. How can you forget about Andy Serkis? He's such a character in this movie. He is such a character. He always, he plays these crazy characters just all too well. Like, I mean, he's just really good at it. This isn't his first time in the MCU. He was first introduced as Ulysses Claw in Age of Ultron. And... He was mm. great in that as well, but he's just yeah. kooky in this one. He's crazy. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? He's like laughing, like the Joker, actually. He, he reminds me a lot of like a Joker type personality <laughs> um, where you're just chaotic evil. He is just uh, in it for the vibranium. Give him more vibranium. That's all he wants. That's all he needs. I think that he nailed that role. Um, it's a shame that Killmonger took him out because he could have easily been like a multi-film villain. Oh yeah, I know. I mean, it, it it made sense for the plot. Yeah, it did. It did. It, it was really like his way into Wakanda because they had been chasing That's Ulysses Claw this whole time, and he's like, "Hey, look, man, I took him out. Here you go." Yeah, he definitely had so, that like, um, plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had that planned like. Like, oh, I'm going to string this guy for a little while, and then I'm going to use him when I need him. Exactly. You know, speaking of uh, when he brought him to uh, the border tribe of Wakanda with Wakabe, uh, Wakabe being the um, husband of Okoye, he's a character I don't get. Like, I don't understand his side, really. Like, in the beginning of the film, in the beginning of Black Panther, you see him, like, just dabbing it up with Black Panther or T'Challa and you know they're they're just kicking it with the rhinos in the beginning of the movie they're, <laughs> yeah. they're just having a good morning and then all of a sudden he's just like but this guy brought me Ulysses Claw so he must be king he's he's clearly yeah it, it was a very like I wonder if like we're missing a couple scenes with Hokabe because that story arc just kind of like went AWOL yeah his motives as a character, I, I just don't understand because they came seemingly out of nowhere. Right, right. It, it it seemed all too easy for him to turn onto T'Challa. Yes. And everybody else was conflicted. Like, I mean, everybody else was kind of like, uh, 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 he's the king, so I have to. But then, like, when everything started going down and they realized that he really just wasn't his best interest was just like you know the worst that's when everybody else started to turn on him except for the border tribe it was a really weird character choice and i i think that we must have like other clips out there of of him because there was a scene when they brought martin freeman's character in um agent ross everett ross uh into uh like a bed in wakanda and shuri goes uh, Wakabi's here and she's like all scared you know it just came out of nowhere like why would Wakabi suddenly be this fearful person to to worry about that's one of my only criticisms about the film that and maybe like some poor CGI at the end of the movie you know the last fight scene is kind of rubbery they look like they're just oh. bouncing off of each other on the train station but I can get over that because apparently they they felt they they had to finish that scene uh the two weeks prior to the movie coming out wow so it's crazy That's that they were insane. capable of doing that yeah yeah no no you're right and yeah and, and like i said uh, mbaku's my boy um and, and it's actually kind of crazy because him uh his name is winston duke and lupita they're both in another movie together they're in that the uh J jordan peele movie us oh that's right yeah 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 yeah. i i think that that was after black panther though. yes yes that that was that was after the fact i think it was 2019 maybe i think it was last year 
I, I never saw it, but I, I it's one of those movies I want to see. And so, yeah, they, they were in a movie together. I actually, I think he's a pretty great actor also. So seeing him in Infinity War, I was like, oh, there he is. <laughs> My boy, Winston Duke. After M'Baku and T'Challa pretty much hash things out, there's a loyalty there that I think it's great, you know, because it's like a, it's a new friendship, but it's like, you know, this war is going on. I'm going to help you in infinity war. You know, that, that he, you know, he shows up a part of that fight. Yeah. So I think it was really cool. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's pretty clear that we can keep talking about this and just the, the characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe forever. But ultimately, we wanted to revisit these few movies specifically because of the uh, recent revelations of Chadwick Boseman's passing um, and how that kind of affected our viewing of it. Do, do you think that your viewing changed, Anthony? Yes, there's definitely a change there. I think that I was looking at his character a lot closer and definitely appreciating his portrayal of Black Panther. Uh, death is a, a prominent theme in both Civil War and Black Panther, as well as the afterlife. And it's interesting in this in this world, uh, especially in Wakandan, cult, Wakandan culture, in Civil War he says, In my culture, death is not the end. It's more of a stepping off point. You reach out with both hands and bust and segment. They lead you into the green veld where can run forever. And we actually do get to see the ancestral planes um, in this film, and I think that that's one of the best visuals of the entire movie. Yes, loved it. The those like deep purples and blues, and like the the cloudless sky with the plant, the panthers just hanging out in the trees, and then you know your ancestors showing up uh, over the field. I think that's such a fantastic visual, and it's something. Um, I can believe, you know, that in this in this universe, I believe that that's something that happens to T'Challa, you know? He was able to revisit his father, have these communications with his father. And um, in this universe, death isn't the end. And, you know, it's so fantastic. It's fantastic story building and world building. And uh, the narrative kind of transcends the film a little bit, knowing that um, Bozeman did die. Uh, you know, you, you kind of, th those scenes take more meaning now, to me anyway. Oh, I totally agree. B before you spoke about it, I was actually thinking about how beautiful those scenes were. Every time he would go to the ancestral planes, I just, I love the visuals. It was, it was really cool and seeing the panthers in the tree. I, I definitely agree with you on that. There, there's another scene where we go to the ancestral planes and it's, we're, we're visiting uh, Eric's father. Um, in Compton, in yes, like a Compton yes. hotel or uh, apartment building. It's such a surreal scene because you know it's not real. You know it's the ancestral plane. But for whatever reason, that's what this you know poor traumatized kid sees when he enters that state is the last place he saw his father, where he saw his father die in his arms. And he's able to have that final conversation with his father that he never got to have. I, I, that's another scene I found really powerful. And you know, like outside the window, you can see the actual ancestral plains, like the purples and the blues and like yeah. the fields and mountains in the background, which don't exist in Compton. <laughs> I really love um, so much of the choices that they made for this film. I think it's a beautiful movie um, and I, I'm excited to revisit it another time. Yeah, no, definitely. Another thing that I wanted to point out also was that 
uh, Eric Killmonger had heard about the sunsets in Wakanda、mm. and that T'Challa actually brought him out to it. Even in, after everything that happened, T'Challa wanted to save him. Yeah, he, he definitely gave him the option I'm pretty sure we can still save you. And he clearly didn't want that.、Right. He clearly felt that he had lost. He was. Content in his loss. You know, he, he realized he was bested fairly. I can respect that in someone, you know. And yeah, the, the, the last scene where he's looking off into the sunset and yeah, all he says is, it's beautiful. I don't think he ever tells T'Challa that his father told him the sunsets were beautiful. But T'Challa took him up to get like some fresh air out, out of, outside of the cave, and that's when he saw the sunset. Right, right. I forgot who he told that to, though. Or he had spoken to somebody and he. And he had... Was it his girlfriend, maybe? Right, right. But yeah, no, I, I just thought that that was a really cool scene because it was a call back to the earlier the, in the film. Yeah, yeah, to that earlier in the film. So it was really cool. Yeah. I liked how the film went about the characters and just the overall setting. I think it was a great film. I think it scored like a 98 in Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, something crazy. So, it, and I think it was well deserved. Yeah, I agree. It, it was definitely a well deserved Rotten Tomato score and critical、uh, reception. And it was actually the first origin story for a character、uh, that wasn't a sequel to another film to gross over a billion dollars worldwide. So it was, I mean, that's huge, first of all. So, yeah. We can continue talking about the Black Panther, but、um, if, you would, uh, if we missed anything from this episode, please be sure to visit us on Twitter. We'll leave all of our links in the show notes. You can、uh, check us out at PGeekology on Twitter,、um, or you can find us on uh, different uh, platforms. But、uh, thank you so much for listening up to this point. Anthony, any final words? Yeah,、uh, I agree. Thank you for checking out our show, and we'll continue to. Bring out more topics.、Um, we're not entirely sure what our topic for next week is going to be, but we are definitely、uh, talking about it and we will put it out there on Twitter. And like you said, we'll, we'll put everything in our show notes and、uh, just be sure to, to follow us and, and leave a review. If you guys really enjoy the, the show, Leave a review on your preferred platform if it allows you. And if anything, follow us on Twitter and just let us know what, what your thoughts are. We, we definitely want to continue the conversation on Twitter. We'll post updates and, and let y'all know when we are doing things such as recording or when we release a new episode. But yes, thank you guys for, for listening and staying tuned. And we will catch you next episode. All right, guys. Have a good one. Bye.